You're listening to a UCD Humanities Institute podcast. This podcast series features recordings of lectures, seminars and events hosted by or associated with the University College Dublin Humanities Institute. For more information, go to ucd.ie forward slash humanities. This podcast features a lecture by Professor Susanna Beck, Professor of Criminal Law and Philosophy of Law at Leibniz University, Hanover. The lecture, Robots and the Law, The Problem of the Liability Diffusion, was given as part of the Plotting the Future series, led by UCD Humanities Institute, UCD Institute for Discovery and UCD Geary Institute for Public Policy. Plotting the Future is a public lecture series and forum for debate that explores the urgent question of what it means to be human in the age of artificial intelligence and robotics. Professor Beck's lecture took place in the UCD Humanities Institute on the 12th of October, 2017, and was recorded for podcasting by Real Smart Media. Professor Beck was introduced by Professor Anna Fuchs, Director of the UCD Humanities Institute. I'd like to uh, welcome you all to our fourth lecture, uh, which is part of the Plotting the Future series. Most of you know about this series uh, by now. If you don't, if you go up on the website of the Humanities Institute, the Discovery Institute and the Geary Institute, you can uh, get some background information on uh, the series. We've had quite a number of speakers from a variety of backgrounds. We started with Professor Judy Weismann from the LSE, who's a professor of sociology and who kind of examined the issue of robotics and artificial intelligence from her particular perspective. And uh, then we moved on to Dr. Mary Aiken, who uh, looked at children and, and cyberspace. Uh, and from there, we moved on to uh, uh, Professor uh, Maggie Bowden, who looked at the vast topic of AI and the future. And uh, this was a few weeks ago. And as you remember, uh, Maggie Bowden um, basically said that AI is the future. Yeah. That was, in a way, the bottom line. AI is the future. Now, uh, today will be more specific in the sense that uh, we want to kind of now look at some of the most urgent issues that accompany this topic, namely the whole issue of legal frameworks which need to be developed in this area. Yeah? This AI and robotics is an emerging area that, that's advancing very rapidly. It's going to transform our social worlds uh, 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 within the next 10, 15 years. Uh, and of course, it comes with major ethical and legal uh, concerns and issues that need to be addressed. So I'm very pleased that uh, we managed to uh, get Professor Susanne Beck uh, from the Leipzig University of Hanover, where she teaches criminal law and law philosophy, and she has developed uh, an expertise around this whole issue of uh, robotics and law. So, she, for example, she was the co-founder of a center for the robotics and law at Würzburg University, and uh, she's been advising the EU on issues such as electronic personhood. Her PhD was on the topic of criminal liability for stem cell research. Obviously, that's a topic that resonates with the life sciences here, but uh, she has, apart from lots of publications uh, in the domain of criminal law, she has established herself as an expert on robotics and law. So just to point out some publications that are available in English, um, she's co-editor of um, a groundbreaking volume uh, on autonomous weapon systems, Law, Ethics, Policy, published by Cambridge UP in 2016. It really is a groundbreaking publication in this domain, and of course that's a very, very worrying development. Yeah, autonomous weapon systems. But she's also uh, uh, um, published uh, many articles in English on things like the defense of human rights theory and the concept of guilt, liability, responsibility, dealing with the diffusion of legal responsibility, the case of robotics, intelligent agents and criminal law, negligence, diffusion of liability, and electronic personhood. So you can see that uh, uh, she's really at the forefront of uh, research in the domain of robotics and law. So I 
would like to welcome you to the UCT Humanities Institute, and I want to just mention that the co-organizers of this series are here, um, Philip O'Connell from the Geary Institute and Patricia McGuire and Adrian Otterwell from the Discovery Institute. So you're very welcome and we're looking forward to your talk. Yeah, dear Anne, thank you so much for the invitation and the very kind introduction. I, um, it's my first time in Dublin. I'm very excited to be here and discuss, I think, this very interesting topic with you. Um, before I start, some warnings. Um, yeah, I'm a lawyer, so I don't have too many pictures on my presentation. I tried uh, some solutions for that, as you will see as we go along. And as I'm not a native speaker, I will read out most of my talk, but I try to be still understandable. Also, if some aspects are too legal for people from another discipline, please interrupt me and ask. So, robot kills worker at Volkswagen plant in Germany. Even The Guardian and other foreign newspapers have reported on this tragic incident, which took place two years ago. And although in this case the robot was a very traditional one and the incident probably was caused by human error instead of malfunctioning of the machine, it has to be taken into account that such tragic accidents will contribute to the debate about interactions between robots and humans and the legal consequences of damages caused by machines. Also, the phrasing itself was interesting while in other contexts one would refer to an accident, here most papers talked about the robot as an active participant who killed the worker. This indicates an active role of the machine, a different perception of the inclusion of robots in a new fear of society. Similarly, uh, there has been a vivid discussion after a fatal accident of a Tesla self-driving car in the US. You've probably heard of it. Um, the unpredictability of the car was reflected as threatening, and the debate was slowed down mainly by the realization that the driver has been inattentive and not followed the instructions given by Tesla. Therefore, Tesla's self-driving system was cleared by federal auto safety regulators. As the autopilot required the driver's attention at all times, the driver who did not follow the rules was regarded as liable for the accident. But still, I think the debate showed the existing skepticism towards this new technology. Therefore, it is important to discuss the legal situation right now before even more major incidents influence the public debate in a too negative way and maybe hinder the technology unnecessarily. It is also crucial to determine the individual risks of the persons involved, to be legally liable, because this might be another hindrance. If the risk of personal individual liability is too high, it might lead to the technology not being developed at all, or at least not in a riskful way. Just a side note, that's often where we ask um, as lawyers to come in, so a lot of things can be put uh, over to or given over to insurances, but individual liability, you can't insure yourself against it, and that's um, what a lot of people working in this area in robotics are scared of, that they might end up in jail or something like that. So new technology, de uh, technological developments often challenge society and its normative framework. Thus, regulations have to be created to deal with new dangers such as robotics, and it is important to create these laws as soon as possible. But also the existing laws have to be applied in a way that reflects the special dangers as well as the advantages of these new technologies. So I want to do this uh, in the following, um, that I will look at the current development of robotics, but from a legal perspective, so from a perspective of all a lawyer, I will give you an overview over some of the legal questions that are raised in the context of robotics, but then I want to focus on the question of responsibility. Um, I rephrase it to responsibility because I think that's more uh, suitable than liability, actually, and how it is challenged by robotics. I will discuss some potential legal solutions that are discussed now and what their con maybe their social consequences could be. 
So I start with the current development of robotics, as I said, from a legal perspective. And here you see the attempts of a lawyer doing some pictures. So <laughs> robots will, in the years to come, play a more important role in many areas of our lives. They will work with us, support us when we are sick or immobile. They will drive us independently and maybe even educate our children. They will entertain us when we are lonely and give us advice when we are helpless. For performing these tasks, the machines have to become more and more autonomous. I will use that word from robotics also. I'm very skeptical about its usage, but there still is no better word for their development, I think. So um, they have to become more and more autonomous because it is not possible to give detailed orders for all relevant situations beforehand. Therefore, one has to create machines which are able to learn, to adapt, for example, to adapt to the communication style of its user, to the eating habits of the user, or to the body function of the user. And they have to be trained to react in the best suited way for the user. It is quite possible that for some of these tasks, especially when speed is crucial, the decision of the machine might be quicker, more rational, and more informed than a human decision. In general, machines will decide differently to humans. Differently does not necessarily mean better or worse for now. In all probability, their decisions will be oriented on rationality and efficiency and less on empathy or emotionality. But as mentioned, for some tasks at least, this actually might be valuable. And I think also society has to discuss for which tasks this could be valuable and for which not. One relevant feature of these new kinds of machines is that when programming the machine, one might not be able to predict how it will act in a specific situation. So it will become almost impossible to reconstruct ex post why the machine reacted in a specific way in this situation. And thus the decisions become unpredictable and in some way uncontrollable. This becomes even more complex if we remember that there are connections, not just as the human connected, only, not only to one machine, but to a lot of machines, and then the machines will be connected um, between, in between each other. Um, so again, we might even not be able to determine if the decision was made by this machine or by this machine and so on. So I think the common denominator of these kinds of machines is that their function is to disburden humans of making decisions of one kind of or another. Humans might only decide beforehand where and when to use autonomous machines and give them guidelines, but leave the assessment of the situation to the machines, sometimes even with the ability to learn from former experience to advance the decision-making process. That such developments carry risks and side effects and mistakes in decision-making process leading to damages cannot be doubted. As already mentioned, machines will decide differently. And therefore, it is even thinkable that machines make, from their perspective, right decisions, but still the um, decision might be morally questionable from our point of view. One could even fear the dehumanization of society in different social concepts when machines take over more and more of our human tasks. This is discussed in the area of care. Uh, this is also discussed in the context of autonomous weapon systems. We come, can come back to this uh, in the discussion later on, also in the uh, context of robots as companions in the broader sense. Because of this, it is often um, postulated that there are always or at least in some contexts, should be a human in the loop of the decision-making process. I will come back to that uh, a lot in the, um, in the talk. Thus, the decision would still be based on human morals, on empathy and potential liability of the human involved. One has to realize, though, that in many situations, this might lead to excessive demand and responsibility of this human in question. The driver of an autonomous vehicle, for example, for example, does need at least six, sec six, sorry, six seconds to overtake. This is too long for most traffic situations. 
Also in other contexts, the mental influence of the suggestions by the machine is high as well. Thus, the decision by the human in the loop is determined in a way that might lead to doubts about his responsibility. So this is, for example, also discussed in the context of a medical diagnosis, um, where the um, computer, make, computer program makes uh, suggestions of the diagnosis the patient could have, and the human is the one who still should choose one of the right diagnoses, and he should be fully liable. And that is questioned because, of course, the suggestion already leads to a bias in the human. So at least I think one should be aware that even when there is a human in the loop, one cannot speak of a human decision anymore, a purely human decision, but a decision made by human and machine collaboratively. As I said, I will come back to this aspect later on. Now I want to try to give you at least an overview over some of the legal questions that are raised in this context and that I won't discuss today, but just that you know that there is a lot happening at, at the moment in the uh, context of law. So of course the deployment of autonomous machines uh, will lead to question in very various uh, legal areas. The functioning of autonomous machine will re require the collecting and processing of enormous amounts of data. Of course, this could collide with the existing data protection regime. <clears throat> there will also be um, questions not just about the intellectual property rights of the programmer, producer, and user, but also about these rights if the robot produces something by itself. It will have to be discussed in labor law if one can be forced to co-work with robots, for example. And in, in international law, um, one discusses, um, that's actually an old abbreviation I used here, um, one is debating about the legality of autonomous weapon systems. That's one of the topics of international law. In the following, though, I want to focus on the law dealing with the risks of robots and the responsibility for these risks. Risk uh, can be dealt with in public law. So, for example, here when one can discuss the conditions for usage of these machines and the areas of life in which they can be used, and also in civil and criminal law. Um, I just want to mention that um, concerning the legal handling of risks and responsibility, the debate resembles in some ways other debates in which modern risks are analyzed from a legal perspective. For example, the internet in general, biotechnology, um, also the importance of cooperation, and thus responsibility diffusion in collectives, like for example in corporations and corporation legal responsibility and so on. All this can be summarized as risk society in law. I know in sociology, risk society has been discussed a lot longer. We lawyers uh, have just recently discovered this debate. <laughs> um, so, and how this kind of society can be regulated, controlled, and governed has been discussed, as I said, in law for a while. But still, of course, these debates do not uh, give us all the answers. I think the concept of responsibility is challenged um, by robotics a lot more than it has been challenged until now. And I will try to show this uh, in the next um, few minutes. Um, for um, I will start with public law and civil law, but I will then focus on the area of criminal law because I, I think it's um, most suited to show the problems of responsibility. So in public law, one discusses uh, inter alia if the administrative laws in certain areas have to be adapted to the usage of autonomous machines, be it the law of, about medical devices, uh, traffic laws, laws about the conduct of research in private or public areas, and so on. So, for example, uh, traffic laws, of course, in Germany, uh, uh, cars are very important, so we are now discussing the conditions for uh, driving autonomously on streets, and also, as I said, research um, already, there, is, there are problems there because people are doing research with robots now in certain conditions. Um, for example, there are people doing research in elderly homes um, with robots that are weighing some tons. And of course, if elderly people are walking around and a robot is walking around, there might be some problems. So we have to discuss um, what conditions we uh, set for this research. 
Additionally, uh, the security standards are introduced by non-governmental institutions such as uh, International Organization of Standardization, the ISO. Uh, the interaction of state, state norms and such standards is challenged by the development of robotics because no social standards for adequate behavior exist until now and one is challenged by having to develop such standards, uh, standards from scratch. While in other areas, standards um, such as ISO norms are generally well integrated into the legal systems, also there with exceptions, of course, this is sometimes questioned in the area of robotics. I will also come back to this debate later on in criminal law, um, but I want to mention it here that there are some difficulties also because for some people in the area of robotics, they say ISO or in uh, Germany, we have an institu institute that's called DIN, DIN norms, They are too slow, um, so we don't wait until they have developed the standards, and then they start to develop standards in their co in their um, sorry, in their cooperation. So there is only one corporation setting the standards, and of course we cannot just integrate them into law because that's only one actor who has made these standards. Okay, so I, but as I said, I will come back to this later. Um, additionally, robots can be used as assistance against risks, for example, in natural disasters, in war, or as assistance of police and security organizations. In this context, we will have to discuss in future in which cases um, it might be uh, proportional to use um, machines that are until now unpredictable and maybe not fully controllable. Um, you might have heard the start of such a debate uh, in Dallas, there was um, actually a very simple robot who has killed someone who, um, yeah, I don't know the English word, um, the uh, attentator, um, yeah, but not really, a he was a single person killing other people and he was then killed by a small robot, so, and then we started discussing when a robot can be used or should be used by the police. Um, in civil law, It is, for example, questionable who is liable for contracts close, uh, that are closed by autonomous machines, um, for example, electronic agents in the net, internet, or for damages caused by these machines. Differently to traditional machines, it is not plausible to regard electronic agents as mere tool of the user. The decision-making range of these machines is too broad for such a categorization. The existing regimes of liability for damages are also not applicable, at least not without adaption. One also needs to discuss how to deal with necessary insurances. So if it might, for example, be possible to force insurances to contract with the users of such machines, which categories they belong to, and if these machines can only be used if insured, for example. Um, Also, a small example, in Würzburg, we were uh, cooperating with uh, some people doing research on a robot that was um, meant to transport elderly people autonomously um, in a pedestrian zone um, from their home to the pharmacy, for example, or to the doctor. And they wanted to try that out in reality, and they didn't find an insurance, and then they had to insure this autonomous vehicle as a small motorbike. Obviously, that's not the suitable category for insuring them. Okay, so with regard for some of these problems, it is also debated if and how electronic agents can interact as legal actors. Again, I will come, to, um, uh, come back to this a uh, bit more detail later on. Um, and a new legal actor might be necessary, as I said, because the traditional liability concepts are difficult to apply in the context of autonomous machines, and I hope this will become clearer if I now focus on criminal law. Of course, also in criminal law, we discuss very specific questions uh, in the context of robotics. For example, in German criminal law, we have laws that say if you use a weapon, you, um, for example, to commit a specific crime, the Uh, um, you will be punished harder, and then we have to discuss if a robot is a weapon or not, or if it's a trespass, actually, if a robot is on uh, in your house or something like that. Um, but more relevant will be the question, as I said, of criminal responsibility for the robot if the robot damages a third party. 
In general, criminal law is based on the damnable conduct of the offender, on his intent or negligence about the violation of the goods of a third party. All this is challenged by the usage of autonomous machines. Even if we are uh, talking merely about machines acting in a dynamic and unstructured environment based on feedback information, it is almost impossible to pinpoint one individual which is criminally responsible if the machine has violated the rights or goods of a third party. And this I want to show you in a bit more detail now. Just uh, to rem uh, remind you, bias criminal law, I think... Um, Quite important is um, it's not possible to in avoid individual responsibility in this area. So each party, the programmer or whoever, is responsible for its own actions, differently to other legal areas. And here, actually, several individuals con could be considered as offender. The producer, the programmer, the seller, or the user of the robot. In most cases, the humans involved will not have intent about the specific action of the machine. So uh, let's just um, imagine that machine I was just talking about who is in an elderly home and is driving around, and this machine um, evaluates that situation in the wrong way and violates one of the elderly person. Of course, probably e neither the programmer nor the producer or user wanted uh, this violation, therefore they did not have intent. Still, the violation of another human being could lead to criminal liability arising from negligence. This kind of criminal liability can be connected to every stage of the production process and usage, including also the research and development of robots. The first requirement of negligence in criminal law is that the person whose liability is discussed acted without reasonable care. The standard of care is usually determined by a person's expected form of behavior in a given situation. And now as indicators, one can refer to non-legal standards, such as ISO norms or ISO standards. As I already mentioned, developing these standards is difficult in the area of robotics. When determining the standard of care for people involved in research and production of robots, there are especially two important things to note. First of all, at the moment, only few standards exist at all for the here relevant areas of robotics. One reason for the slow development of standards is that the machines these standards would be relevant to are still in development and the knowledge about possible risks, that means the kind of risks as well and the intensity of risk is still low. Standardizing institutions <clears throat> are challenged not just by determining how to avoid inadequate risk, but also by deciding which risks actually are inadequate. In such cases, the general social standard of rationality is applied additionally. That is, in, in criminal law, we normally say, how would a rational person have acted to avoid damage in a similar situation? But that, of course, is a very vague evaluation, and it offers only little help in a complex technological field such as robotics. So if I give the programmer this very vague description of how he should act and how he should program the robot, it wouldn't help him probably at all. And secondly, non-legal standards only are indicators for whether the actions of, the, of a person were consistent with the legal standard of care. They are also generally developed with regard to civil liability instead of criminal law. Criminal law is not simply an accessory to the regulation of non-governmental groups. Thus, one must always additionally consider overall social morality. If certain internal rules do not contradict social expectations and standard of rationality, and if any party in question has recognized this deficiency, liability for negligence must be included in the determination of criminal liability. I will read out as a quote from our German Dean Institute just to show you how problematic the uh, usage of these standards in the context of robotics might uh, be. So the Dean Institute uh, itself says, standards foster global trade and serve rationalization, security of quality, protection, uh, protection of society, as well as safety and communication. 
Economic growth is influenced stronger by standards than by patents or licenses. Standards are strategic instruments in competition. So the protection of society is mentioned, but obviously there are other values behind developing of standards. And then we get uh, a problem when we contrast this with the perspective of criminal law. Criminal law does not only serve to minimize risks and prevent danger, it also stabilizes the normative consciousness of society concerning actions that are regarded as socially inadequate. Thus, the danger of a certain action is not sufficient to penalize it. It is also necessary that it violates social moral rules. And these rules have to be, in theory, accepted by every member of society, which could be an indicator for specific norms based on singular interest, not fitting the criteria for enacting criminal laws. So as I mentioned before, these standards that are developed only by one corporation who is producing robots obviously don't fit these criteria. And um, also just as a side note, if you tell that someone who works in the area of robotics, um, normally they don't believe this. So they, their belief system is when we... Um, follow all these standards, we cannot be criminal liable. This is wrong. So also criminal law can decide we do not include these standards into our evaluation of what's happening. Good. Um, another aspect that could, um, or that is problematic also, is that standardizing institutions often lack democratic leg legitimation and transparency. So if you talk to people how these standards are evaluated or how they're actually happening, um, I, so the most extreme example maybe I can give you, I was talking to someone who was in a group that made a specific standards on robotics, um, and he said, I actually don't know at what point in time the standard was made because I got some emails, I didn't have time to reply, and then we had the standard. And so he was a member of the group, and he didn't understand the process. That's a very extreme example, of course, but um, just to be aware that there are problems on this level of, of standardization. So why is this important um, for robotics? And I will come to the broader picture later on, but I think that very specific view also is important. First of all, because there is a very strong activity of standardization, standardizing institutions in robotics at the moment. And thus, it seems from a legal perspective very important to analyze these activities and retie them with legal evaluation. So what I'm doing at the moment is working quite closely together with the Dean Institute in Germany so that they have also the legal perspective. Uh, secondly, the reliance on these standards, as I said, is also very high, and we have to include how we are um, this belief system of the researchers in criminal law as well not just researchers, basically all people involved. So also the programmer, the producer, and the user, they believe as soon as it's standard with ISO or DIN norms, the product will be okay. Um, as I said, criminal, a criminal judge might not, be, uh, not have the same opinion. And then we have to discuss again how we uh, work their belief system into our criminal law. So this is one problematic, problematic aspect. The other problematic aspect I want to mention is that one other condition for criminal negligence is foreseeability of the damage. The more autonomous and potentially dangerous a machine is, the more it can be very generally foreseen during the research phase that it may later on at some point bring harm to humans. The usage of robots for military purposes and the usage of autonomous cars in everyday traffic are plausible examples. It almost seems unavoidable that thereby human beings are, maybe unjustifiably in warfare, violated. On the other hand, the foreseeability is only connected to the general possibility of harming. The specific conditions and situations become more and more unforeseeable unforeseeable, because we don't, do not know how the machine will decide in a specific situation later on. So robotics is therefore an, one opportunity to uh, discuss how specific this foreseeability has to be. Does it have to be directed towards specific circumstances, 
causalities, harms, or is it sufficient to foresee the general possibility of violating humans as such, that someone can then be actually criminal liable? So I just wanted to give you an uh, overview of, or a very specific aspect of how in law the um, regimes of responsibility are challenged by robotics. So this really means our regime of negligence is not adaptable in robotics. So now I want to go one level higher and discuss in a more abstract way how responsibility is challenged by robotics and then later on what we might be able to do against it. So I think the technological development of robotics could even be understood as part of a normative change. Overwhelmed by over-complex situations, by everyday life entailing endless risks of damaging third parties, by unforeseeability of already small decisions, um, uh, just a personal example by now, I don't know, actually know what products I can buy anymore, which are uh, green enough and which are ethically correct enough. And now you stand in the row and you, uh, of a supermarket and you have a hundred yogurts and all these d daily decisions sum up to um, making everyone confused. There's a great article that is the tyranny of choice. And I think that's where we actually are. So what are we doing? We react technologically. In some ways, the transfer of responsibility might be the point of these machines. The overcomplexity of modern society, in which one has to make numerous decisions every day and knows that many of decisions bear the potential to harm others, this leads to building machines that not just decide how to best find our way in traffic or to get our car into a parking spot, not just to remind us about our medicine or buying food, we are building machines to decide about life and death of other human beings. The transfer of the decision only makes sense if the human parties involved are not fully responsible for the decisions. So, of course, the development, this development must have consequences for the concept of responsibility as such. As I said, the adaptive Adaptive and learning ability of robots necessarily involve a certain degree of unpredictability in their behavior. And so their conduct cannot entirely be planned anymore. It also gives, um, that might be also important, more control to the user of the robot than in the case of other products. And uh, this leads to the question, if every mistake by the robot is necessarily caused by a wrongful act of one of the parties in the legal sense. As mentioned, in cases in which an autonomous robot makes a mistake and thereby damages a third party, the traditional negligence regime is already confronted with different parties interacting and their interaction probably resulting in future in a machine that acts partly autonomous and can learn from experience. Um, so it's not possible anymore to easily say that one of the parties has acted negligently. So from um, a general legal point of view, this conflict could inter alia be solved in the following ways. So one of the human parties, parties is regarded as generally liable, liable, for example, the user. This is um, basically the solution of the German government at the moment for autonomous driving um, for now. So the idea is the user will stay liable because he is the one who... Um, overlooks what the machine does. Then one could also say only the human party is liable who provably made a mistake. One could also say that all human parties behind the robot can be transformed to a new legal entity and this new legal entity is liable. Or one could, for example, for social useful robots, transfer at least the damages onto society itself. This is all from a general point of view now and not just from the criminal point of view, but just to give you an idea uh, what we are discussing in law. Um, so this would not lead to necessarily punish all of them. That would be, one would have to discuss this uh, separately. But at least so these are the solutions that are discussed in, in these contexts. And of course, all these solutions are based on premises about 
who is profiting from the usage of the robot, who should be at least financially punished for its mistake, who is thought to be in control or stay in control even if the machine overtakes some decision-making. Um, now I come just to a side note. Um, uh, I just want to mention that, that I'm not just talking about uh, individual responsibility here because risk in the context of uh, robotics Uh, do not only, of course, include damages or mistakes. There are also <coughs> other risks and unwanted side effects. Um, of course, every new technology is accompanied um, by discussions about slippery slopes. Um, and this is inten intensively debated in the case of robotics and, of course, not surprising. I think the imagination of robots nursing elderly people or babysitting or taking over our everyday communication, giving us psychological advice or waging our wars, and also a robot as a life partner instead of a human being. Obviously, all this threatens our accustomed perception of the social as such. Um, the probability of change does not necessarily imply that a development has to be restricted or forbidden. Um, still, I think when discussing robotics, one has to be aware at least of the responsibility for these potential side effects as well. But, of course, they are not really legal responsibilities. Just I uh, want to mention that we lawyers have them in mind as well. Uh, this view onto responsibility problems shall be completed by the already mentioned aspect of responsibility transfer onto machines. Machines overtaking responsibilities even on the stage of decision-making, can, as mentioned, be characterized as technological reaction to the overcomplexity of modern society. Behind this development, I suspect, besides the hope that machines, by having more information and reacting faster than human beings, might make less mistakes. This is a very common argument in the context of autonomous weapon systems, so they will make less mistakes than humans, they will be faster, they will be more rational, they don't have fear for their own lives and things like that. And, of course, when that's a possibility. Um, but I think, as I said, that's not the main reason we want to uh, give them the decisions, but because we feel overwhelmed by the responsibility for all these decisions. But these developments also lead to new questions, Who can then be a responding entity? Can the machine at all respond in a way that is necessary for the social and legal construct of responsibility? And maybe we do need a human response in some context, but what does that mean? What could such a human response be? Could that be still criminal liability or not? Um, I will not be able to answer all these questions fully uh, in the um, remaining talk, but I will try again to give you some uh, overview about potential legal solutions. I've already mentioned some, but now I want to talk a little bit about the consequences of these solutions. So maybe general adaptions in the risk society could be to less focus on the concept of foreseeability um, of damages, for example, but in general more on the social adequacy of the action as such. And to focus less on external regulations for developing such things as standard of care, but on the legal construct of admissible risk. In German we say erlaubtes Risiko, and that's a very um, big topic that we are discussing at the moment. So that means that we as, a, well, as the lawyers and At the parliament, we have to decide what is the admissible risk. And once someone has acted in this area of admissible risk, we have to accept that that means in this area there might be no responsibility at all, at least no criminal responsibility. That could be a challenge for society, though. Like um, if um, you think about some accidents that have happened or something that happens, society has a need for making someone responsible. So uh, to take that away um, and maybe just give spread out money, which is discussed as well, um, could be a challenge that has to be accepted, though, for the um, treating that individual in a just way. Um, as I said, if you remember, the driver of an autonomous car, 
even now need six seconds to react because, of course, the concentration, concentration is a lot lower if your car does everything by itself. And then to say you are as criminal liable as every other driver is problematic, especially if the driver has not chosen the car but is a uh, um, truck driver who has been given the car by his boss and couldn't even choose to drive it. So, of course, um, that would not be just always to make this individual responsible, but society might have a problem as well if there is no one responsible. Also, uh, the responsibility transfer might lead to some adaptions. Um, what do I mean by this? In general, um, in many other areas, we uh, focus in law more and more on the so-called principle of reliance. That means, for example, also in traffic or in any cooperation, for example, in a hospital or anything, um, where if different parties cooperate, then first of all, only the party is criminally liable who probably made a mistake. And the other parties can generally rely on the lawfulness of others' actions. So that means if you drive a car in traffic, you can generally rely that every other member of traffic follows the rules. That's only generally. Of course, if you see already someone in front of you driving like this, then you cannot say, I was just relying that he will act lawful. Or if, I don't know, the doctor is uh, a surgeon can already smell uh, over the table that the other one is drunk, of course he cannot say, I was relying that he, uh, he will act lawful or something like that. Um, but in general, you can rely on uh, other people acting lawful. So what... Um, we are discussing now, um, can we do this in the context of machines? The problem is that these machines are still in many ways unknown, unpredictable, and uncontrollable, thus arguing that one relies on a specific course of action of these machines is hardly plausible. But still, as we have already discussed, it's also not convincing that the user is fully responsible, so of course there's a gap that we have not answered yet. So um, these uh, regimes we are trying um, to reevaluate. And one, one la the last um, aspect is, as I said, we are discussing now to give at least some responsibility to the machine. Um, and that's discussed under the concept of electronic personhood. That means that we are actually constructing an legal entity that is similar to a corporation. So that means you have the machine and all the people that are behind the machine, so the programmer, producer, user, are, for example, giving some money into an account, and that's then the money of this machine. And this machine will be registered, and it will have a number, and you will, uh, for example, the car will have a specific plate that's an autonomous car, and then the um, person that was violated could actually go in front of a civil court, at the moment it's mainly discussed in civil law, and um, get the money directly from the car. So this is discussed um, at the moment. Um, and from an inner perspective, inner legal perspective, um, it does not pose a big problem to reduce individual responsibility in the cases of robots making decisions and to create such new legal entities. That would have specific legal responsibilities and then we could support these changes by strengthening institutional responsibility in the background and they can then have other or, uh, give other aspects and, as I said, reg register these machines, look out for these machines and so on. So from a legal perspective, that is possible to construct these electronic persons. But I think before adapting that legal system in such a way, one has to consider the potential changes of fundamental social concept by um, such development. So very shortly, I think um, if we do this, we, have to, we are reconstructing our identity in a way that it includes machines um, because we have beforehand decided to use them for specific parts of our autonomy space. So um, 
what we normally as lawyers uh, think that we are only reacting to already changes of society, but I think that's wrong. I think if we um, construct a legal entity that's called electronic personhood, that also will have influence on these concepts. They will change if we have such an entity. Um, that has already happened with corporations. In most countries of the EU, we can now also make corporations criminally liable or responsible. That is a big change for responsibility concepts and has changed our perception of personhood and things like that. And I think a similar um, change could happen in robotics. That does not mean that are not solutions for some aspects or we cannot use them actually in the uh, cooperation with the EU, we have suggested uh, that for some aspects electronic personhood might be useful and might make sense, um, but we still have to discuss as a society, not just as lawyers, if we accept these developments for the price of these concepts probably changing. Okay, I'm coming to my conclusion and I'm trying um, to summarize what we are actually discussing. Discussing responsibility in the context of robotics means more than distributing the financial risks or creating insurances that cover the usage of robots in different contexts. It means to discuss in which areas of life the advantages of robots outweigh the risks and how the usage should be created. Thus, it is possible to create a so-called admissible risk allowing certain actions without being responsible for each unwanted consequence and, most importantly, without overburdening powerless individuals who might have to use the machine without having a choice, who are made the human in the loop without being able to make meaningful decisions. It also means to understand what happens if we intentionally hand over decision-making onto machines. It means to legally react on changing fundamental concepts and consciously create the space for these changes. Finally, it means to leave room for decisions against machines, taking over responsibility in specific contexts, and it means to strengthen the awareness of the relevant institutions who will decide about the development of robotics. They do not only decide about the future of a new technology, in my opinion, they decide about the future of our very basic social concepts and of our understanding of, our, of ourselves. Thank you.